0: for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. He's got it. 9-8-4. A world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal. A perfect score. 10.0 for Dasha Camonese. A perfect score. The first time I've ever seen it.
1: In over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion,
0: Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight, and setting a world record: 9.68. The wind is okay. How easy was that? It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another great interview. Very excited for today's interview, a dual interview, two athletes on the show at once from a sport that we have never had any guests on for the sport of rhythmic gymnastics. Jared is pumped and excited to hear today's guests on the show, as you'll hear me talk a little bit about in this interview. Emily Abbott and Alana Matthews made history during the Tokyo Olympics. They were members of the first ever Australian side to compete at an Olympic Games in the group category of rhythmic gymnastics and a fantastic effort for that history to be made at the Tokyo Olympic Games. And it's a great interview with both Emily and Alana, learning about how they got into rhythmic gymnastics, helping us explain some of the subtleties of the sport, why it's actually a very amazing sport that we should all pay more attention to outside of an Olympic cycle, and just learning a great deal about the pair of them too. This is a a very fun chat, which I know you are going to to love. I'm not even going to say anything more. I'm going to go straight to the interview. Here is our chat with Australian rhythmic gymnasts, Emily Abbott and Alana Matthews. We always get excited on off the podium when we're able to bring on athletes on the show from a sport that we haven't talked about before and while we've had a gymnast on the show before we've not had people on from the sport of rhythmic gymnastics and for any long-term listeners of the show who listen to our coverage throughout the tokyo olympics and way back to rio you'll understand certain topics that we've talked about around the sport of rhythmic gymnastics now i'm telling people now jared is not on the line right now so it's just me I'm here to talk about the realistic nature of this sport and found out how amazing it is. We don't have Jared on here to say all those weird things he said, which I'll explain to the girls in a little bit a moment. Because I'm genuinely excited to hear about the sport and learn about both of our guests' experiences in Tokyo today. They were part of history as part of the first ever team from Australia to compete in the group competition of rhythmic gymnastics in Olympic history. And not only did they create history, but they were able to have amazing experiences and generally look like they probably had the most fun out of any of the Australian Tokyo athletes there. Uh, Pleasure to welcome on the show today, first of all, Emily Abbott, one part of the team. Emily, first of all, thank you very much for your time on the show today.
1: No, thank you so much, Ben. I'm so excited to
0: talk to you today. Oh, so excited to talk to you as well. And also your teammate, uh, Alana Matthews, also on the line with us today too. Alana, it's for you. Hi Ben, how are you? (laughs) Oh, doing well, doing well. I I feel like I need to clarify my introduction there. Um, When we first started way back in Rio, uh, we, we, we had a discussion about our history of the Olympics and we were sort of, you know, why we loved it, why we started doing the show. And one of our co-hosts, Jared, sort of started to talk about sports, like, oh, like I love these sports and that sort of stuff. And he's like, oh, and, you yeah, know, there's some sports which maybe I don't know too much about, which I'm, you know, intrigued to talk about and everything. And he's like, yeah, rhythmic gymnastics, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what they do. Why, like, why <laughs> is there a ball? Why is there a hoop? Uh, you know, why are there everything else? And uh, during Tokyo, we did many, you know, moments of commentary. We may have commentated on rhythmic gymnastics. We had a lot of fun doing it. And I think this is one of the sports that when Jared brought that up all those years ago, I'm like, we need to talk to some athletes about the ring gymnastics. This is a sport that I don't know if I know, or many Australians know too much about, because I think people think gymnastics, they're thinking of the floor, they're thinking of pommel horses, they're thinking of rings, they're thinking of all of that type of stuff, so... Is this something that each of you get a fair bit when you say, oh, I'm a gymnast, I'm, a, I'm an Olympic gymnast? People automatically jump to that conclusion. Maybe I'll start with you, Emily, kind of like your history around what it's like explaining to people that it's, it's rhythmic gymnastics you do and, and not artistic gymnastics.
1: Well, it's actually kind of funny because I started rhythmic gymnastics thinking I was starting artistic gymnastics. So I'd actually <laughs> never heard of rhythmic in my life. And all I'd do is cartwheel everywhere, like even on side streets. So... I started um, gymnastics. I wanted to learn how to do flips. So I was confused when I I got given the hoop anyway, but I fell in love with it as soon as I started. So that's kind of funny. But, no, I always get asked what sport I do, and I say rhythmic gymnastics, and normally it is, oh, so you dance with the ribbons. We don't really dance with ribbons. It's a little (laughs) bit more complicated than that. And I even sometimes get asked if I do the horse. Now the Ah. horse isn't even, that's not the real name for the apparatus. It's the male artistic gymnastics apparatus. So people do get a little bit confused and even my grandparents to this day still ask me how my aerobics is going. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, even the family kind of sort of uh, do that. I mean, Alana, with you, I believe you got into the sport because your family were rhythmic gymnastics. Maybe it was a little bit, you didn't get quite as confused when you rocked up to the local gym that weekend.
2: Yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't confused. I started gymnastics because my mom used to do gymnastics. She used to do the artistic gymnastics and she told me, um, oh, it's like you can break your ankles and stuff like that, doing that gymnastics. I was like, oh, okay, I'll do the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so I started rhythmic gymnastics, but you're exactly right. Rhythmic gymnastics in Australia is not well known at all. And maybe even gymnastics as a whole, like Emily was saying, people just get really confused. They don't know what's what, but genuinely, Generally, when you say, oh, I do the sport with the hoops and the balls and the ribbons, they understand. And then they proceed to ask, oh, can you do a flip? And you have to explain. <laughs> we don't do flips in rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you do koalas, though. Can, can, can I ask about the koala straight away? Like I was fascinated watching this in the lead up to this interview about this whole idea behind a koala. How do you explain that to people who don't know what that is?
2: Um. It's hard to explain without showing a video or something, but I'll try my best. So in our group routines, we have things called collaborations where all five gymnasts on the mat, we essentially collaborate to each other, throwing to each other, doing a rotation. And this skill that we have named the koala is um, uh, its kind of like a lift that leads into a rotation. Um, yeah. And that works.
0: I'm I'm yeah. picturing it. I've that- seen I've seen it, but I like I'm picturing okay, cool. it now. If I hadn't seen it, so I think that <laughs> kind of uh, that kind of works that way. It it is it is fascinating. Sort of with many of the Olympic sports, how you have sort of these disciplines, which you know generally one is more known than the other. Uh, I mean, it's sort of not the same, but kind of the same. We we talked recently to um, some canoeists, Elise and Jordan Wood, and and we said during the Olympics that canoeing is I think perceived as the ugly redheaded stepchild of rowing because people know rowing, but then they forget canoeing exists. But let's be honest, canoeing is generally more entertaining and exciting than rowing because they're going forwards where the rowers are going backwards. So, you know, there's kind of a few things there. Whereas It's kind of like that I feel like with rhythmic gymnastics because all the attention in that first week is always on the artistic counterparts and everything. And then when you get to the rhythmic... I feel that the attention's like gone away from that point. But then when you watch it, because it's sort of so unique, you have such unique apparatus and things that you're doing out there on the floor, it's just it's amazing. What and you you guys look like you genuinely have more fun. Like you're smiling more in rhythmic gymnastics. Like the costumes are cooler, like the music is better. I mean, is that kind of also what draws you more so to that? I mean, Emily, when you realise that this is the type of gymnastics you're doing, you're oh, actually I'm doing the cool one, so I'm glad I'm doing rhythmic. <laughs>
1: oh my favorite thing about competing is performing like i absolutely got love going on the floor and performing i think in artistic gymnastics they don't have such a big emphasis on the performance part of the sport whereas our sport like every single count the music every single thing you do has to be in character with the music and you get judged on artistry which do an artistic as well there's just a lot more emphasis but for me, I know I just absolutely have a ball when I hit the floor and I think that's what sets Australia apart from the other countries is that we're not, you know, we're not, we're self-funded athletes. We're not paid to it, but we, our difference is we hit that floor and we show the love we have for it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And I also like what you did there, have a ball. Like, I yeah, like.
1: Have a ball. Have... Oh, <laughs> it's
0: yeah, there, there's many there. Uh, Alana, is it a similar thing for you? Kind of it's just it's it's that fun aspect of rhythmic that kind of, you know, helps you out when you do compete?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like Emily said, the performance um, is a big part of our score and a part of how um, the sport is judged. And that's something that I think we all enjoy um, expressing to music and kind of telling a story when we do a routine. So that I'm glad that that shines through and you notice that we look happy because we're trying to look happy.
0: Which <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I know Synchronised Swimming recently got renamed to Artistic Swimming and, I mean, to me – artistic swimming to be uh you know politically correct nowadays is is very similar in some aspects i think to what you guys do because i mean they're very happy they're very kind of you know out there doing stuff to the music all that sort of stuff so it's interesting how now you've still got artistic gymnastics is called artistic gymnastics and it's kind of you would think they're more similar those ways around i mean you can't really i guess call you guys synchronized gymnastics because you don't have to be synchronized is that is that one of the elements to it I'm, i'm guessing it's not one of the elements to be synchronized right
2: um yeah, you there are parts where we have to be synchronized. But yes, it's also very confusing to us as well. We don't quite yeah. get the artistic and rhythmic side of it. But
0: why they've changed. I don't I don't we haven't we yet to have a, an artistic swimmer on the show, so I'm not sure if it's like I offensive think, now to say synchronized when they've changed the name of it. So.
2: I don't think they find it offensive. We were training at the AIS for our pre Olympic camp and the artistic swimmers were there. And we asked them um, like why the name of the sport was changed. And they said it was to attract more people to the sport. I'm like, right. okay, I don't well, know how that works, but.
0: It's one of these sports that I feel um, it's attractive enough because like it's so unique and, and interesting. And, and so we, cool. we talk about this all the time when we're, you know, be it winter or summer Olympics It's it's the great thing about any Olympics is it brings attention to sports that, most people don't really see outside of an Olympiad. You know, maybe if it's lucky enough to be at a Commonwealth Games, there's a bit of an attention. But even then, uh, you know, I, I feel we struggle to kind of get focus on rhythmic gymnastics at a Commonwealth Games. So it's kind of that uniqueness. And I, and I guess for, for both of you, in terms of just the Olympic side of things, Emily, I'd love for you to share your story first about your Olympic aspirations, because I read your Instagram post when you got selected for Tokyo about uh, how you were always set Basically, on being an Olympian, particularly going to Book Week as an Olympic rhythmic gymnast, which I don't know how many books I've read on rhythmic gymnastics, but I'm sure you found a loophole there in the rules on how Book Week usually works.
1: Yeah, there just isn't there isn't a book about that. So that's you wrote a
0: book—that's that's that's the (laughs) excuse, right?
1: That's (laughs) right. No, um, so yeah, I started gymnastics when I was about to turn ten. I was ten in year five, and I have little notebooks. I actually got gifted them a frame of it last year from my mum because she went through all of this stuff that my grandma had gave her and there was all these notebooks of my drawings from when I was 10 saying, like, quote, I am Emily Abbott and I want to go to the Olympics for rhythmic gymnastics. Rhythmic was spelt wrong. Olympics was spelt wrong. <laughs> but I always had that dream. And yeah, book week in year five, you're supposed to dress up as your favourite book week character or, you, you know, your favourite book character. Now nah, I went as an Olympic rhythmic gymnast. So I was always set on it. And even like with setbacks, like I've had a couple of hip surgeries and I've had, you know, we've all had our setbacks, but I've always been totally set on going to the Olympics. And that's why I was so excited when Alana messaged me about trialing for the group in Brisbane three years ago now, because I knew that my dreams could become a reality because they were the dream team. They were six time, you know, six time national champions. And I wanted to be a part of something really special.
0: Um, I'm looking at the drawings now, and that might help out later on when we come to our closing <laughs> questions if you guys want to do some homework, so I'm just I'll just keep that in in mind with that. Alana, uh, did you sort of have similar aspirations sort of when you got into the sport that it was, hey, the Olympics, that's the the ultimate end goal with this sport?
2: Um, I'm a little bit different to Emily, so it wasn't something that I really thought about as a kid. I was just kind of doing the sport because it was so much fun and it was um I was just like a really active kid and I liked being involved in sport, but, um, the sport kind of changes from being fun and enjoyable as a kid to a more competitive side and you're, um, it kind of switches when you're about like 15 or 16. So that's when I kind of pulled my head together and thought, all right, I've been training for however many years now, do I want to keep going and make it, or am I going to stop here and continue with something else? So I just made the decision like, yeah, this is it. I'm going to go for the Olympics. So let's just give it give it everything we've
0: got. The one thing I appreciate about um, both of your posts on, on your social media when you got selected is it that- you know, so many athletes sort of had the, the the get up, the Tokyo 2020, the Qantas ticket, you know, we're going to the Olympics. But, I mean, both of you and I'm guessing all your teammates too kind of do, you've got to do the gymnast pose, right? you kind of like, you know, Alana, you're sort of like on a, on a bridge or sort of a, a walk there kind of with the legs completely, you know, going that way in the splits and then, then Emily, you've sort of got the leg up kind of like that sort of stuff. I mean, you're just showing up. It's great. I love it. Like more, I wanted more athletes to do this. That's the fun part of it, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, you've got to use what you've got yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like even if we take you know a pose in a line we've got to pop the leg you got to add a bit of pizzazz to your photo
0: <laughs> <laughs> is, is that the technical term pizzazz like is that what the yes, judges are looking for it is yes Yes, yeah, of course. I, I like that. We, I need to learn these technical terms, though, so come Paris if we're doing commentary again, we can we can make sure we add sort of these, these words to it in that way. Uh, I mean, Emily, you sort of mentioned there about how, you know, Alana gives you the call uh, several years back to sort of join the team. Are, are you the, Were you the, the last addition to sort of the, the group of five that kind of, you know, went from those world championships to uh, the Olympics? And if so, sort of what was it like sort of joining the girls, uh, sort of had been together for a little bit and kind of how quickly was it until you were sort of able to, I guess, I guess, adapt and join and sort of become a little sisterhood that you guys obviously are today?
1: Yeah, well, Alana's our team cap and she's just a superstar. She's like a sister to me. And funny, we actually started Rhythmic together in Adelaide. So grew up together, been sister for years, and then she moved away. So I continued doing gymnastics for however long, eight more years in Adelaide. And, yeah, got that message and because it's everything I ever wanted, I was like, oh, I have to go for this trial, mum. I packed a suitcase, one pair of pyjamas and no return ticket home. So I didn't know I'd be away from home for three months with one pair of pyjamas. So that was a little bit of struggle. But thank goodness for that Brisbane sun because that dried that out quite fast. But no, I knew um, three of the other team members. So I came in late 2018 but I didn't know Lexi, Um, but we all, it was a little bit difficult coming into a dynamic where they'd been so strong together for so many years and I'd never worked with any of them before, but we all have our own little quirks. We all have, you know, we all became sisters and like, no matter what happened, we stayed strong through all of our setbacks and that sort of thing. So we built a very special bond. So while it was difficult for me coming in, in the beginning, I can truly say that, I have had the best time of my life, the three years with these girls, and I wouldn't have been able to achieve my dreams without them.
0: Perfect, perfect. Uh, Alana, for you, I mean, obviously then as a team captain, I can imagine sort of maybe being with the team the, the longest. I mean, do you sort of remember, uh, you know, back when it was sort of formed, how that was all, and, and was kind of, I guess, the end goal with that to kind of, as I said in the introduction, go on to create this history and, and become the sort of the first group from Australia to compete in, in the group competition in the Olympics?
2: Yeah, this um, Australian group journey started a little bit before my time. So the gymnasts who were the first kind of group, senior group athletes, they're retired now, but they started this journey and I was um, a year too young. Um, so I had to wait till the next year to join the group. But Hamayka, who's a member of our team, was in that initial group way back in 2014. And then the, in 2015, I joined and I was with the group for five years after that until um, we, we decided that we wanted to go to the Olympics. So we needed to find um, a fifth member because one of our gymnasts had decided to retire and continue with studies and stuff. So that's when I contacted Emily to get her over. And yeah, like she said, the, at, at the start, it's kind of challenging to um, get get the group going, um, you know, kind of adjust the dynamics and everything because we had been together for so long. But as a team captain, I guess that was kind of one of my responsibilities and something that I've got to work towards even all the way up to the Olympics. We've got to make sure that the dynamics in the group is good and, you know,
0: yeah. It sounds like the Avengers that you're kind of just getting, you know, everyone together basically to kind (laughs) of come to battle. I mean, yeah, uh,
2: that's exactly right.
0: Yeah, kind of moving it that way. Which, when it comes to rhythmic gymnastics... When it comes to say forming, you know, a group and and aiming towards that that goal of of pushing towards a group qualification, is it a simple case of just you can get a bunch of five individuals and and form a team, or is it is it really a case of you've got to somehow work out who would be best? Dynamic, because I mean, I guess the overall question with that, the long winded way of getting to it, is what are the key differences between say I'm an individual athlete in rhythmic gymnastics, and I'm a I'm a group athlete in rhythmic gymnastics.
2: Um, we were all individual athletes at one stage, but there's um, there was a point for all of us where we realised that joining group is going to give us a better chance at representing Australia at the Olympics because trying to make it as an individual is pretty tough because they only take one person and there's um, pretty big competition in Australia. But for group, there's a lot less competition, um, but... Yeah, and you get to take five girls to the Olympics. How good is that? Like, you know? And I think that after we've been this year for Tokyo, I think that in the following years, people are going to start putting their heads together and going, Group is the future for this sport in Australia. So I hope that we've kind of made that statement.
1: And what's so cool is, To be the first group in history, it's taken my coach, who's taken three people to the Olympics as individuals, it's taken her 25 years to get a group to the Olympic Games. How hard it has been to try and get a group of five girls over the age of 16 to commit six days a week, twice a day to achieving a dream. But it's even having those people, it's been that hard to try and qualify someone. So that makes it even more special to be as you know the first ever group in history because it was such a triumph to get someone there if that makes sense yes, so it's yeah, sure. that's
0: what makes it more special we, we and with only 14 teams uh, in in the group at the olympics i mean what what's the qualification process like and is there sort of just a, a designated regional zone was this the first time that there was a designated regional zone for australia and, and kind of like how does that work for australia to qualify a group for the olympics
1: It sort of all began in, it began with you guys in Worlds 2018, didn't it, Lance? Because that's sort of when the qualification process started. So really that started and then I came into the team and basically every competition we did, you know, was being looked at. But we were supposed to, we qualified for the Pacific Rim Championships in 2020 in February and we were supposed to go to New Zealand in April to do the Pacific Rim trial, which was to qualify the Oceania Oceana um, wildcard for the Olympic group event. So, unfortunately, COVID hit and we couldn't attend that event. So, that was cancelled. And then we were supposed to go in May of this year to China for the Asian Games to qualify, try and get that qualification spot. But we couldn't get over there and that event was cancelled as well. So, our qualification, our final one was at the Continental Championships. We're at the National Championships in May and we had to get a certain score. So, it was a really high-pressure event. And we just knew we had one chance to secure that spot. It was score or no score. That was whether you were going or not.
0: Wow. And what's and what's the score? Because I find that interesting. Because like obviously I know there's a lot of sports where say there's a qualifying target, you know, like a, a time, say in athletics, or a distance in a field event. Whereas I could imagine sort of in a in a judging based sport that that maybe is a little bit more tricky. But I, I obviously not. I mean, what's kind of the score that you know you have to get to qualify for the Olympics?
1: we had to get two 17s. So um, yeah, two scores of 17s. And we finished the first apparatus, I think we got a 26 point something. So we knew we were in a good way leading into the second routine. So at the end of the second routine, we kind of I knew we'd just done enough to qualify and so I started crying like as I hit that final position like there's just a photo of me the music hadn't even finished I just put my hands on top of my head and I start crying on the competition floor in front of everyone but no so we knew the score and yeah that's why that event was so special because walking off that floor you just knew you'd just done enough to go to the Olympics oh you've been working for for 15 years and your team have been working so hard for for years day in, day out.
0: Yeah, and Alana, was that similar for you? I mean, obviously as a captain, I mean, and you'd sort of been on that journey for a long time. I and mean, what was that moment like when you knew you guys were, were going to the Olympics?
2: Yeah, that moment was really sensational. It was just like, yeah, um, I've explained it like this before, but massive weight was lifted from our shoulders. There were tears, there was happiness, there was like all sorts of emotions that day. But yeah, it was incredible to know that we had made it.
0: You both sort of mentioned a little bit about the, the age factor. I mean, obviously, a lot of people think gymnastics. You're thinking of, you know, people, I guess, as what, young as like 13, 14, you know, all that kind of thing, particularly on the artistic side of things. And it's also a sport where, I guess, often you hit sort of your late teens, early 20s, and you're a veteran of the sport, and you kind of obviously, you know, don't have a longevity of some other sports. I mean, it sounds like it's a little bit opposite in, in rhythmic, I think, Emily, you mentioned about being 16 and more. I mean, is, is there is there an age range where it's kind of a little bit different? And, and on that, is it a, a form of gymnastics where you can maybe stick around for a little bit longer that when you get, I mean, you're both obviously in your early 20s, like that, you know, all of a sudden you're not going to get to 25 and you're considered like, you know, well, well, I'm um, truly a, a veteran at that point. Maybe Emily, or you, either of you chime in for that one.
1: Well, let me just put it this way, Ben. I'm twenty-four and I'm the oldest rhythmic gymnast in Australia.
0: Wow. <laughs> so, Jeez. So I've got no chance in it's 34, <laughs> so I shouldn't start right now.
1: <laughs> I think individuals is really, really taxing on the body. Like I've had two hip surgeries and it took me one and a half years to come back from. So that's when I was 19, I had those two hip surgeries. So that was even getting old in the sport, but I decided my job wasn't done yet. But I have also decided now that my job's still not done at 24. I want to go to the 2024 Olympic Games. But I think the most important thing is making sure that you look after yourself and your body as much as possible. And the beauty about the group event is because my hips, you know, they're very interesting after the surgeries, especially you don't need that extreme flexibility to do the group you need heaps of skill and you need to be able to collaborate with five people and do crazy catches and be one with five other people so that makes it a little bit easier for the longevity for me i know that for me that the longevity will be longer being a group gymnast than an individual gymnast
0: 24 and a veteran wow Uh, Alana, you're 22 22.
1: (laughs) i'm 22
2: yeah
0: so how, um, does, how does that work think- for you then? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I could keep going if I wanted to. I think the sport is um changing a little bit with age. Like it used to be younger, I swear. You used to be done it. like 22, was that? that's it, like you're done. But now it's kind of 25, you could even go into your late 20s like.
0: Wow. Which is,
2: yeah, so I think that's cool.
0: Is it a serious question? Is there such thing as male rhythmic gymnastics? Is it a thing?
2: It's starting in European countries, yeah. Right. When we were in Tokyo, actually, there was a male gym, rhythmic gymnastics display before all of the RG competitions and they were amazing, so interesting. skillful. Interesting,
0: yeah. interesting. It's, it's one of these sports which, um, I mean, I guess on the long grand scheme of things you, you, you think of a certain way, so you're thinking like, oh, are the men going to go out there and the, the nice like sequins sort of tops and kind of go all that sort of way. But, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, there's nothing stopping it because I could imagine it would, you know, that would have been a spectacular thing to kind of see the men out there doing it. I mean, is it something that you feel, just on a quick tangent, that, you know, who knows, by Brisbane, this could be the debut of male, you know, rhythmic gymnastics or something along those lines?
2: I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, when we watch the display, it can actually be quite masculine. Like the sport, yeah. There's a lot of skill involved in it and they are incredible. So, so
0: you're saying there's a chance for me, cool. Alana. Again, I start training. Oh, I'd course, be like, what, ben. I'd be 45 by the time Brisbane's around. I mean, who was it, Oksana Let's go. in the artistic? She was in her 40s, wasn't she? So, I mean, you know, yeah. like it's spring chicken. I'm just, I'm just, I'm still trying to work out all these ways of getting into the Olympics. I mean, Andrew Hoy is my go-to now. He was 62 and he just won two Olympic medals. So I've got time. I've got you plenty of time to try and do it. I'd love, I'd love to get maybe uh, the briefest, simplest explanation of how a routine works, how you're out there scoring. Because, again, you know, from me, the armchair critic who knows nothing about the sport, I'm seeing you in amazing costumes, doing great uh, techniques and routines. You're throwing balls, you're throwing hoops, you've got ribbons, you've got all these kind of great apparatuses. But if I'm a judge, how am I, how am I scoring you? How are you getting points by doing great things with these apparatuses?
1: So basically we have two routines. So one has five balls and the other one has two sets of clubs and um, three hoops. So basically you build up the scores in a routine through the difficulty. So say you have collaborations. So that's where you all collaborate. You do cool things the higher the difficulty score is by what you add into it. So say if you do a throw, you rotate and then someone lifts you in the air and you catch it with your legs out of sight in the rotation, you can build up the difficulty. So in rhythmic gymnastics at the moment, there is no end point for the difficulty. So you can chuck as many things in as you want in that routine to build the difficulty. You just need to execute it and say, if you drop, then you get deducted. And if it goes out the area, then you get deducted even more. And you even get deducted for things like your leotard not fitting properly and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of things and artistry. There's so many things that go into a composition and it goodness gracious. If you go 0.01 seconds over that music, you get deducted for that as well. So there's lots of things that go into a score.
0: It's it's fascinating the whole thing around the leotard uh, and and sort oh. of not fitting because that that's something that is not really in your control in the middle of a routine. Like if all of a sudden something breaks or something happens on on that. So, I mean, how much, I'll ask about the routine in a second, but how much work goes into the leotard then to ensure that everything, I guess, is perfectly in place so that all of a sudden you're not getting a deduction from it?
2: (laughs) We get our leotards designed and made by um, professional people. The leotards that we wore at the Olympics, where were they from, Em? I'm pretty
1: sure they were from
2: Russia. Wow. Yeah. So they're they're all over it. They know exactly how to do it to make sure it fits properly and isn't going to rip on you or anything like that. So, yeah.
0: And and, and are you allowed to design? Like in terms of once they get them, like can you say, okay, I want uh, this bit of here, like our, our team costume is going to look like this to represent this? I mean, how much sort of effort in the costume design department is there?
2: Um, We get a lot of say in that. um, I think for the process, the leotard design process this year, we sent in our music and they came back with a few designs and we picked which one we liked. Then we um, send in our body measurements. They take progress photos when they're making the leotards and then they get shipped to us. So,
1: yeah. And there's an emotional process that goes on, Ben, because leotards are very expensive. So we do most of the diamonding ourselves. So Wow. Diamanteing thousands of extra diamantes onto that leotard. <laughs> I'm not a very creative thumb, so that's quite emotional. But there's also been lots of uproar, sort of thing, about our leotards in the media because of, I don't know, body image and that sort of thing. So we've been getting lots of comments about, you know, saying, you know, we can't be showgirls and like to let the sport speak for ourselves. But when I put on that leotard, like we've got a leotard underneath that leotard. I feel totally secure and, you know, it's something we've gone through the design process of and it's a part of our performance. Like I don't think it detracts from the
0: sport mm. at all. So, no, been a bit
1: interesting.
0: Well, it's interesting just on that because obviously a lot of commentary, I think it was, was it the German artistic team had sort of gone for more of a, of a bodysuit, wasn't it, sort of that, and sort of they, they, you know, made a statement with that. But, I mean, is that... Is that something that is changing in the sport or something that is a discussion amongst gymnasts that is kind of taken seriously? Or is it a case of that it is the media kind of making it a little bit more of a thing and and that you know the people who are following and watching Rhythmic Gymnastics aren't watching it for the reasons that maybe the media are implying that people are watching it for?
1: Well, I never watch Rhythmic Gymnastics and think, oh, that's a tacky leotard. But I think that's because I've been brought up competing in it. I just see it as a part of the performance but I don't have a problem with competing in leotards. But if someone does, you know, feel uncomfortable in a leotard, unitards have always been a part of rhythmic gymnastics since like, the 19 from the very beginning stages of the sport. So you can always choose what you feel more comfortable in as well.
0: And it is, is I mean, in terms of the feeling, the comfortable thing, like is there much of a, a performance difference that if you are, you are you wearing like the unitard? Like, I mean, is it easier to kind of wear the leotards like you're wearing right now in terms of how you're able to move and kind of do, do the performances or is there sort of not much of a difference when it comes to both of them?
2: Um, With the, In like performance wise, there's some parts of the routine, maybe where you need to use um, your legs to like hold the apparatus, say the ball behind your knee. And if you're wearing a unitard, um, that might not be possible. So I guess that kind of like comes into play when you're thinking about um, what leotard you want to wear, but like, just like fashion changes, leotard, leotard fashion changes a lot as well, but unitards are one of the things that have always kind of stuck around. So that's always an option.
0: Uh, Emily you mentioned the music choice where, where does it come down to, to choosing a, a piece of music and are there rules because I know obviously in some sport uh, I think was figure skating changed it recently how you used to not be able to have lyrics but now you can uh, I mean is that a similar thing in rhythmic where you maybe can only have instrumentals I mean I, I think one of the commentaries we did one of the gymnasts was doing it to Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson so therefore there were lyrics so I mean I, I don't know if that's the case in group or how that works
1: Well, it's actually funny because in 2013, that's when lyrics were sort of introduced into the sport. So I thought it was so strange. I never wanted to use music with lyrics and then I started in 2015. So that's sort of how the sport progressed. But going back to the beginnings of the sport, gymnasts did routines to piano. So there was Mm. a piano player right next to the floor playing music. So it always changes. So actually next year, because we're only allowed right now to have one piece with music, but next year you can have both pieces with music. So that's sort of how the sport evolves to keep it interesting. The rules of the sport change every four years in the code to make it more interesting and for the Olympic to show the sport at the Olympics the way that everyone sort of wants to see it and to make it more exciting.
0: And how does that work then? I mean, Alana, as a captain, are you sort of the final say? Like, no, we are not doing Smooth Criminal. We are doing Taylor Swift. We're doing this. Like, I mean, but like, how how does that sort of come up? And is it more about this suits our routine more? Or is it just like, hell, I want Beyonce at the Olympics? You know, like it kind of comes down to
2: that. Um, I don't always have the final say. I think our coach has a final say. I definitely express my opinion. Like, there were definitely some. Pieces of music that were brought forward that I wasn't particularly keen on. Oh, so Go I, on, I, I
0: elaborate, elaborate what piece is. Bitter of, bit
2: of Ricky Lee. <laughs> Bitter <of> Ricky <laughs> Lee.
0: Huh? Wow. Ricky Lee at the Olympics. <laughs> I love Ricky now Lee,
1: that... just not for gymnastics. Oh, no, come
0: on. There's got to be video footage of this. Ricky Lee's listening to is getting excited. nearly an Olympian, basically.
1: He had Black Betty.
0: Oh, yeah. That would Black work.
1: Betty was one
2: of them.
0: Yeah. Black Betty
2: was definitely one of them, um, but the coach wasn't the biggest fan of that. It was a bit too like rocky, oh. which is fair enough. Probably so what worked was,
0: out What was the piece then that you did go for the Olympics?
2: Our ball music was a, a really fun piece. It was from Pitch Perfect. It's called Is It Tribe Tribe on Top. It's yeah, kind tribe. of like yeah, it's kind of like a women empowerment type of type of song, which is cool. And our mixed routine was a bit more. It was an instrumental piece, so no no lyrics, and it was kind, It's kind of like epic music. Is Great. that how you describe it? More dramatic, yeah.
0: Kind of like a trailer epic music that you'll have yeah. sort of on, on on YouTube. And I mean, how sick of the songs do you get though? Because I can imagine that in the space of a you know training, you guys are training thirty odd hours a week. I'm sure you hear those songs a lot. Do you get to a point where you're like, I'm never watching Pitch Perfect again after this? <laughs>
1: Um, for some reason, I've never got sick of the music. The only time I've got sick of the music because um fun little thing, I got a concussion in um at the end of 2019, and a part of my rehab program was to sit on a bike for 40 minutes, pedal my feet, listen to the gymnastics music in my ears and visualize. and wow. there's only so much of that 40 minutes you can be visualizing your music. so that's only that's <laughs> the only time that I really, could not listen to it anymore but in terms of training and visualizing at home not on the bike for 40 minutes I've never got sick of the music I think we connect strong with it and because we're doing so many tricky things in that routine and it's changing each day like the routine evolves every single day you're at training you don't get sick of it.
0: I love this, like, not loving that you got concussion, Emily. Don't, that, that, and that's not what I'm trying to say. But we recently um, spoke to a, a fencer who mentioned about getting concussion. There's some sports I think of where I'm thinking, okay, concussion's not a part of that sport, you're pretty safe. But fencing, concussion, rhythmic gymnastics, yeah. concussion. So, uh, concussion is is not immune to all these different How do you get concussion? I have to ask Emily, how do you get concussion Aww. in rhythmic gymnastics?
1: We were, we were doing a routine and there's something called a make. So that's a routine where you have no drops and we were determined for the makes. And I forward rolled into the floor, but I didn't tuck my head under. So I sort of just like Ouch. face planted into the floor and then wow. I woke up and the music was still going. I was like, oh, we're getting a make. We're getting a make. So I kept going. I went to training again that night. I went to the service station and I knew, I knew I had a concussion and I'm a psychology student and I was just in denial and I couldn't speak properly. Like I went to the service station to fill up my petrol and I was trying to say something and I couldn't get it out. (laughs) I was just absolutely, one of my teammates had to drive me to the hospital that night. And the thing was, we had an Olympic qualification event one and a half weeks later, and I couldn't do it because of it. And seriously, out of all the injuries I've had, the concussion has been the hardest one to overcome. Like it's taken me, I still get headaches, um, you know, almost two years later, but it's been the hardest one to overcome. So that's been interesting. But the moral of the story is tuck your head under in a Ford roll. <laughs>
0: Noted. Noted. How do you how do you um uh, describe that Alana to your coach if she's not there or kind of like as a captain like going, how on earth does one of my teammates get a concussion?
2: <laughs> well, the coach was lucky enough to witness the um the event. So she, she saw what went on. Um but we have a reserve athlete who I haven't mentioned yet, but her name's Alex. She's from Sydney and she um she was a part of the trialling process to select the five girls. Um but yeah, she's been a sensational Part of the team. She is always there when we needed her. So, like, for example, when Emily got concussed, we've got an Olympic trial in a week. She steps
1: in and um, does a beautiful job. So,
0: great, yeah, we're great. pretty
1: lucky with that. We wouldn't now, be without her. She's been absolutely incredible.
0: And just, just on the topic, uh, while you're mentioning sort of your teammates, give a shout out to, to, to your other three teammates too, who obviously aren't on the line. You know, maybe uh, just, you know, say hello and I, I guess explain why they're all so awesome as, at the same time as well.
2: Um, we've got Lexi, we've got Felicity, and we've got Jamaica. Three amazing girls. They're, um, yeah, incredible. I don't know why they're not here, but we'll have to get them yeah. on next time,
0: Gosh, um, what, yeah. what can I say? This is not good <laughs> enough. You know, expecting a full team here today on the show and just, uh, just That's can't. Right. You know, too busy. What, you they're know, they're probably just...
1: sleeping in, enjoying yeah. quarantine too much.
0: Good, good times, can't. right?
1: we can't forget about our amazing coach Gina as well. She's just a <laughs> superstar. Like we wouldn't have been here without her. She's like our second mother.
0: And if anyone deserves a sleep in, it's Gina. Like she yeah, needs yeah, a sleep she in, does. right? <laughs> yeah, dealing with all you lot the last few years. Come on with that, uh, Emily. You mentioned sort of before about kind of the routine constantly evolving and and everything. I mean, do you have a sort of a set point where you you lock that routine? in because you know that that's what you're going to be competing at the Olympics or is it kind of the one that you qualify with and then you adapt sort of uh, along the way I mean sort of how long are you working on that routine before you get to the Olympics
1: Mm -hmm. well because it's a group of five people on the floor it's not really like an individual routine where the choreography is pretty set early on. Of course, there's always changes, but you've got a group of five girls, you've got doing heaps of intricate things with the apparatus and you've got to evolve the routines because everyone else in the world's evolving their routines and making them harder and increasing their difficulty. So basically every day we made a change in that routine up until I say a week before the Olympics, we were like, nope, no more changes. We've got to just make sure that we set in stone what we're doing so that when we hit that floor, that we've got a concrete routine. But even in the routine at the Olympics, we were changing and adapting to things on the floor because you just don't know what will happen in a competition. So always adapting, always evolving.
0: I'd also love to, I always love to find out from athletes on the show the the training regiments for their individual sports outside of the obvious ones when you're practicing the routine i'll start maybe with you alana like what what's what's an average gym day for you when you're going there i mean kind of what's the the key focus when it comes to that physical aspect that you have to work on when you're training your body
2: um so we're in the gym for about five or five and a half hours a day on monday to saturday then sundays we get off But um, at the start of the training session, we we do what's called conditioning, where it's like a bit of cardio, strength, um, like working on your abs, you know, that type of stuff. (laughs) Um, And then after that, it's either you do some skills, so practice your balance, pivots and leaps, which are like our three difficulty criteria in the sport. And then we jump straight into routines, um, which is the majority of the training session, because essentially that's what you do on the big day.
0: I like the, like the ab section. You're working on the rig, basically. You've the all got control. six packs, basically, just you know, <laughs> working that way. Emily, I mean, on that, I mean, I'll ask it to both of you, not just Emily, but, I mean, do, do you have your favourites and your least favourites? I mean, is there such thing as a leg day where you're like, ah, oh, fuck this, I'm not doing leg day, or you just kind of, you know, <laughs> leg day is the best day. I mean, do you have your favourites? <laughs>
1: We have a ballet day.
0: A ballet day. All right. (laughs) Much better than leg day.
1: (laughs) We have an elastic band day. We have a chair day. We have all different days. We keep it interesting every day. And I think that's been the secret to not getting bored of something at training as well is that you make sure that warm-ups all, you know, fun, different, and working on all different areas on the body. But outside of gymnastics as well. So I go to the gym a few days a week as well alana's a pilates instructor and she does a lot of pilates outside we all do stuff outside of gymnastics as well to make sure that our body's in tip top shape and that's also going to like appointments and that sort of thing and we also work in our spare time because we're fully self-funded athletes so we got to make sure that we can afford things so that's what you have to do you have to work as well in your spare time
0: which I can, I always find it fascinating, you know, talking to athletes. Obviously, have to work because that's a great conversation to have. I can imagine going to your boss and going like, "Oh, like, hi, can I have a couple of weeks off in, in July?" Oh, yeah, what are you up to? Oh, just just going to the Olympics. I mean, what's that like when you get to kind of you know uh, have that conversation and kind of you know be a bit proud of like, yeah, well, I'm not just you know going down to the Gold Coast for the weekend. I'm actually you know doing something <laughs> a little bit more significant.
2: Yeah, it's so cool to be able to say that. It's like, you're not just flaky and just trying to get some time off of work. Um, you're doing it for something as cool as going to the Olympics. And the the bosses are normally very um, understanding and super excited for you. So, yeah.
0: I'd hate to say if they weren't, and also like, oh, we can't we can't <laughs> spare you. Sorry, we're very busy in July. Sorry, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'd risk your job for that, maybe. Go to the Olympics versus your job. Or don't, you don't have to answer that. Your bosses might be listening. It's all right. Um, The thing, is, the thing uh, one thing I love about rhythmic gymnastics too is kind of, I guess it's the spread of countries that you kind of see doing well. One thing we found out during during our coverage of Tokyo, we sort of got in the, the conversation of America being so good at everything. It's like, oh, America win every single sport. And we're like, surely there are sports that America have never meddled in at the Olympic Games. And one of the five sports they had never meddled in in the history of the Summer Olympics was rhythmic gymnastics. And it's, it's weird because I think of gymnastics, I think of America. You know, you think of kind of them as a strong country. So what what is, I guess, the field like when it comes to rhythmic gymnastics? I mean, outside of, you know, the powerhouses, you know, the, the Russians. obviously Bulgaria got the gold uh, in your event there. I mean, is there kind of a, a more of a diverse spread where other countries that maybe you don't associate with gymnastics are able to pick up medals at international competitions?
1: This year at the Olympics was sort of the exception to what's been for basically ever so the russians weren't first and second on the podium so normally in individuals they're one and two on the podium for many years this year was the first year that a russian wasn't first on the podium and i don't know how many olympics and that's the same with group so it was very cool to see you know italy and bulgaria and um else? Oh gosh, I've had a mental blank. But Belarus, there was,
0: we're in the, uh, Russia, the oh, yeah.
1: Bella, every all the European countries are so strong, and that's been the really cool thing about this Olympic cycle, cycle. Is it was like a big fight for that first, second, third position. So it was really cool to see that happen. But yeah, um, European countries are more dominant in the sport. We went to a Belarusian um training camp at the end of 2019, and you know it's like eight hours a day just rhythmic gymnastics so it's a totally different world they're all professional athletes they all get paid to do it they get paid to travel to train and that sort of thing it's a whole different world to what we are exposed to so that's why that training camp was a real eye-opener and so important for us in our qualification process
0: they don't have to ask the boss for two weeks off in in july they're kind of that is their job (laughs) yeah
2: um rhythmic gymnastics over there is kind of what football is here
0: wow and what's it like then going to a country like that to experience that i mean is that something where you're like wow like this this is a dream i want to move to belarus or is it kind of more of a case of like wow okay maybe i'm a bit glad it's sort of not (laughs) as you know you know you're not walking down the street getting recognized like oh my god it's lana matthews and emily abbott our our national heroes
2: (laughs) i think the way to describe it would be really Mm eye-opening um like you just kind of get to understand what it takes to win medals at the olympics and um, how far Australia still has to go, but with like how well we're doing as well. Um, so eventually, hopefully, we'll maybe in Brisbane, we'll be standing on the podium. Oh, you never not know. maybe.
0: It will be Brisbane. <laughs> Come on That's, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're 100% in terms of at least trampoline gymnastics for medals. I mean, obviously, with Jai Wallace winning back in Sydney. So next, uh, you know, home Olympics, we can we can add to the gymnastics medal tally. That's kind of uh, what we're, we're hoping to see. I, I always love to hear about the Olympic experiences outside of competing, you know obviously emily you said sort of it had been a dream to get there Atlanta, kind of that like sort of the end goal from your from your journey but Take us through what it was like to kind of walk into the village and experience everything, because obviously it was a bit of a different Olympics this time around in Tokyo, but were you able to sort of soak in everything, realise that you're an Olympian, kind of rub shoulders with other team members? I mean, I think, Emily, I saw you getting a selfie with Kate Campbell, you know, kind of like bumping there. I think you had Patty Mills in one of your photos as well, didn't you? So, I mean, you guys look like you're soaking up the whole Olympic lifestyle there in Tokyo.
1: I even got a photo with Dean Boxel, the number one. Oh, nice.
0: Yes. (laughs) Most energetic man in Australia.
1: (laughs) Exactly. But no, for me, I didn't know what to expect sort of going in because I knew it was going to be a very different Olympic Games. But I tell you what, it didn't feel any different for me at all. Like it just was the whole time I was there, I felt like I was in the best dream. I never (laughs) wanted to leave and I never wanted to wake up. It was just magic. Like even because we couldn't really interact into our competition was over with other countries so we sort of stayed in the australia hq but you're like sitting next to you know kate campbell drinking a coffee or you're like in the lift and i can tell you what every single person on that australian team it was such a nice community i talked to so many amazing people you'd just be in the lift taking your washing down and you'd be walking with another athlete to take your washing to the washing center and you'd have the best chats but I can't even explain how amazing the Japanese people were as well. They like went above and beyond. They're just so beautiful. And, you know, I got my nails done and I got my hair cut for free after my competition. But nice. I felt so sad leaving. Like As soon as I sat on that bus, it was sort of like reality was hitting and I was leaving somewhere that had been so magical. And my aim was to soak up that experience. I don't know if you've seen any videos of me at the Olympics, but I'm on – the closing ceremony live broadcast for about I was so- going to ask
0: you about that. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> like moving for like dancing, moving my booty from side to side, but I just had an absolute ball and yeah, I just can't explain how magical it was.
0: Yeah, no, don't worry, the, the closing ceremony was going to come up because oh, no. uh, you, that, 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 that got some attention, I think. I mean, it, in all seriousness, it was great kind of watching the closing ceremony and, and just seeing, uh, you know, every member of the Australian team having fun. So And it was obviously a unique closing ceremony, but closing ceremonies are, are kind of all about the fun. And I can imagine, you know, having the, you obviously didn't get to do the opening, but getting the chance to do the, the closing would have been at least a, a fun experience there. Alana, do you sort of have similar sort of memories and experiences sort of through your time there?
2: Yeah, just bouncing off of Emily, like you had to um, kind of look up and pinch yourself every five seconds just to make sure you took it all in because those nine days just go so fast and you want to make sure you take in every single moment of it because it is a once in a lifetime opportunity and, yeah, you just got to make the most of it. And it was just so cool to be at the Olympics with Australian athletes who are at the top of their game like Kate Campbell, Patty Mills, you know, and you're there with them on the same team as them and the like the teammanship was
0: incredible. And the vibe too, I can imagine, amongst the team, obviously being a, quite a successful Games, you know, 17 gold and sort of 46 medals. I mean, I, I can imagine just it's a great atmosphere to sort of be around there That given how well Australia actually did during the Olympics.
2: Yeah, we got there just as the swimming had finished, so um, and that was a really a successful part of Australia, of Australia at the Olympic Games. So they were all on top of the world and um, – Yeah, it was really cool to see them celebrate and, yeah.
0: I've got to ask about the competition side of things. So do you go in sort of – what sort of goals do you set yourself in? Is it a case of, like, let's make top eight, let's make the finals? Is it let's get a certain score? I mean, kind of going in as athletes, what was the target competing at the Olympics?
2: Um, Our goal was to get two makes um, of both of our routines, which is, like Emily explained before, two routines with no drops. Um, we didn't really have a placing goal because we are the start of Australia, um, Australia, of representing Australian group. Sorry, at the Olympics. So um, yeah, we didn't have a placing goal, and um, yeah, we just wanted to get those two makes. But unfortunately, on the day, it wasn't our best performance. But that's what sport is sometimes, you know. So
0: comes down yeah. to that, and and I mean, even though you don't sort of make that and maybe you don't have the best performance and and so both of you can sort of talk on from your perspectives but reflecting now that it's been a, a couple of weeks i mean can you at least sort of look back and go okay maybe we didn't form the best of our day but we still do you know we worked so hard on this we got to that ultimate stage and you can kind of reflect and you know think about the history that you you were able to make by at least you know going there and able to have that opportunity to compete yeah was-
1: yeah sorry you go em before the competition, I talked to Dominic Clark. He's the trampolining male gymnast from Australia and he made the finals and he's absolutely incredible athlete and an amazing, beautiful person. And I was talking to him and I said, what is your advice? Like, How do I hit that Olympic stage? And he goes, just go out there and enjoy it and soak up that performance. So I wanted to go on that stage and that's what I, that's what I did. I just made sure I enjoyed every single moment. I didn't overthink anything. I just let my body... Do what had been working so hard for for fifteen years to do, and I genuinely had a ball. That whole t- ball again, yes. Jeez, you're
0: on a, you're on fire. You got you got to add I clubs now. I put like, hoops in there. Come on, Emily, you've got you've ticked balls off already.
1: <laughs> um, it was it was just incredible. I had the best time of my life. I've never felt like that competing. It was magical. Like electricity goes through your body as soon as you step onto that floor. But even when things were going wrong. Like, you know, you just got to pull things up. I've never felt like that and I knew despite there was no crowd, it felt like there was a big crowd and I just knew there were so many people back at home and over the world watching and supporting us. So it just felt like a magical experience. I've used magical a lot, but that's how I can explain my whole experience. It was just magic.
0: Would you agree, Alana? Magic, that's the word of the day? Yeah,
1: (laughs) it was
2: magic. Obviously on the day... um, I think we are all pretty devastated that we didn't do our clean routines that we wanted to do and the day didn't go as we imagined, as we had dreamed about. But um, after, it took me a few days to kind of step back and like you were saying before, you got to think about the big picture. Like people aren't going to remember us at the Olympics for the little mistakes that we had, but for being the first group in Australia to um, go to the Olympic Games. So you just kind of have to step back and think about that.
0: And is it a case of two? Um, sort of Emily, you're mentioning about people watching back home, but the hope that maybe you've got a young girl watching or a couple of young girls watching who are inspired to see what you're doing out there and, and that will lead them to maybe competing in Brisbane 2032 a home Olympics, you know, sort of if you can inspire a couple of people out there to take up the sport and, and continue on the legacy that hopefully you're starting for, for group rhythmic gymnastics in Australia, that that's what you can achieve as well.
1: Yeah, I got a little um, DM on Instagram saying that their daughter watched us perform and then that she's starting rhythmic gymnastics because of it. And we even did a really cute, Lance and I have been doing little Zoom calls with schools in New South Wales, a little school in New South Wales, and, you know, answering questions. And it's been so beautiful. And a little boy unmuted himself yesterday during it, and he said, I just wanted to say that you're amazing and I absolutely loved watching you. And it was just this little year four boy that watched our performance and you sort of forget that you got little people, that you were once that little person that was looking up to Olympians and so inspired. And, you know, this little boy just unmuted himself in front of, you know, 50 other people on this Zoom call and said that. So, you know, it's all to be inspiring little people as well.
0: It's not just little people. Can I just say again? I'll just name age. Drop myself, thirty-four. I'm still looking up to Olympians because I'm still hoping to be one one day. So it's just kind of like, hey, you know, look at this. I can, you know, I I don't ever want to get one of the, you know, thirteen-year-old skateboarders on the show because then I'll be like, wow, okay, Um, I really haven't achieved anything in my life. But uh, yeah, it's it that I can imagine just sort of perks of perks of the job, I guess, because you know you're obviously both in quarantine right now, and you know in a few days, and when you're out, you'll sort of experience it a little bit more. But you can never take away the fact that you're both Olympians now. That will be with you for life. So it's something that you can take to a next level. Be it at your you know your workplace around the, the water cooler. Hey, what'd you get up to last month? Oh, I just went to the Olympics. What about you? Oh, cool. You <laughs> you're in quarantine. Versus yeah, going to schools and everything. So do you do you have ideas of other ways that you can sort of take that out there to to inspire sort of other younger people to to continue a journey of gymnastics potential?
2: It's very cool. Like being an Olympian is a part of our life now and it will always be a part of our life. I think we both have intentions of staying connected with the sport and being involved. I kind of made a goal to myself and I hope Emily has the same one that every group that goes to the Olympics from here forward, we will have something to do with that group. Um, Whether it be coming into training sessions, judging or coaching a little bit, um, I want to be still be a part of that.
0: Similar, Emily, for yourself as well?
1: Yeah, well, I want to go to the next Olympics. That's my goal. I, I want to, I'm not, the fire's not out yet. I'm not ready to give it in and I reckon, you know, Australia can do some pretty cool things and I want to be a part of that as well. So we've already done, we were first group ever to go to the Olympics for rhythmic gymnastics. It took so much to get there and I reckon that more incredible things can happen in the sports and I, I want to be involved in that over the next few years as an athlete.
0: Emily's mentioned it a couple of times about Paris, uh, Alana, I haven't heard you mention it at the moment. Uh, sort of Paris, not for you. You kind of you're, you're moving on, or what's happening?
2: <laughs> I'm being strategically quiet on that one, Ben.
0: <laughs> All the uh, I, I found this. I shouldn't be asking this to athletes, you know, in quarantine and kind of that because they're just like, yeah, don't ask me that. Like it's you know, it's too soon. I'm just gotten back. I'm eating my crap breakfast. Come on, like you know, this yeah, isn't a, too this soon. Isn't a- too soon. It's
1: my sponge eggs.
0: Yeah, your sponge eggs. Exactly, <laughs> sponge eggs. Now, a couple of quick questions just before we get to our final set. Uh, Emily, you mentioned sort of talking to uh, Dominic there in terms of trampoline athletes. Is there much camaraderie between the disciplines in in gymnastics? So, I mean, with rhythmic, are you associating with the trampoline guys, the the, the artistic guys? Like, I mean, is it very separate, or are you sort of still kind of you know associating with each other? I mean. Are you allowed, like, is it frowned upon? Like, oh, the rhythmics don't associate with the artistics. Like, no, like, they're on one side of the locker room and you're on the other and we don't associate.
1: (laughs) What was really cool about this year is I'd never really associated with the other athletes until this year. So before we went to the Olympics, we had to go to a bubble in Canberra for two weeks. And that's where the Male Artistic Gymnastics High Performance Centre is. So for basically for two and a half weeks, we were in the same centre as the boys. And it was really cool to spend that time with them because we'd, you know, we see them at events and We see them on social media and that sort of thing, but we'd never really got to know them as people. And they have, you know, the same goals as us and they're all really good guys. And I'd never talked to the trampoliners until I went to the Olympics and was in the village with them. And I can genuinely say that Dom is the most beautiful boy and Jess is absolutely stunning girl and I'd never talked to them before. So I hope going forward that we can be more of a community because it's really special to have those relationships with people outside of your small sport if that makes
0: sense. Can you do that as captain Alana to kind of make that a thing that kind of, you know, like the the clicks are going to basically come together now in the gymnastics lunchroom <laughs> essentially?
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be very cool especially after having that pre-Olympic experience like Emily explained before. This year it was it was very cool and I wish that there was more um connection with all the gym sports in Australia and that's something that would be cool moving forward if that was still a thing. I think it's just kind of hard because we're all kind of spread out. So, um, yeah, I think the only thing that brings us all together is the national championship. So maybe in future years um, we can do something to, like, bring us together a bit more.
0: I I love just finding out kind of these sort of – I don't say rivalries. That's not the correct word. But I guess the different disciplines in sport because – Yeah, we mentioned we talked to Elise and Jordan Wood in in canoeing, you know, but flat water and slalom are are very separate. Like Jess Fox isn't really going to be doing the same things as as Jordan and and Elise are. And then on the winter side of things, you know, we've talked to some biathletes and you kind of think, well, biathlon is just cross country skiing with shooting. So probably they're all associated and it's not really the same thing. Like they're kind of very different. So yeah, bring all the sports together, like kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> we don't need all this rivalry and all this kind of uh, fighting and that sort of stuff. One thing I'd love to know too, we, we mentioned sort of at the top of the interview about sort of how close you all are as, as teammates, sort of this almost a sisterhood, you're all sisters and everything along those lines. Like, when it comes to, like, the sort of the bonding outside of the competing, I mean, I can imagine that that's very important just for that camaraderie, that, that chemistry between you all. But what what are the go-to activities? Like, are you all just kind of hitting the town on a weekend, getting up to, to mischief? I mean, are you hanging around playing video games? I mean, I don't know. Like, what what are the, the team bonding exercises that really lead you to becoming a group of sisters, essentially?
2: Um, We do definitely try to hang out outside of gymnastics. Cause I think that's really important. You have to know each other outside of the training hall because um, when you're in the training center, everything's super intense and just full on. And you need to have that time to kind of relax and just get to know each other as friends rather than training partners. So after morning trainings, we'll like go out for coffee with each other, go out for breakfast. Um, we, have, we go to dinners to like celebrate birthdays and stuff. Some of us go to festivals, concerts, you know, we're all um pretty close. I've
1: managed to get Emily to a club once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was there from I think it was five thirty to six at night and I got a And that was that night. was enough.
0: Yep. Not not, not, not scene. <laughs> which on is the fair enough. Scene. Like
1: <laughs> it's it's not for everyone
2: and that's that's fair enough. So we figure out things that um everyone enjoys, which is wow. cool.
0: Okay, so Emily, if you're, if you're being dragged to a club, what are you dragging Alana on if maybe she doesn't, something that she's out of her comfort zone?
1: See, I've, I wouldn't mind going to a club. I've sort of had the, I'm sort of very focused on gymnastics. So I made the rule that until after the Olympics, I'm not going clubbing and I'm not drinking alcohol. So I've sort of had those blinders on. So now that the Olympics are over, I can go to my, I know, I'm 24, I've never gone to a club and I've never had a drink of alcohol, which may sound wow. absolutely, yeah, I know, it's a bit wild. <laughs> That's sort of the way I've done gymnastics, and that's very. I think going forward in the sport, I need to know that I need to have a bit more of a life balance. So I'll do that. But Alana and I, uh, we love Australian music, and we have very similar tastes in music. We're going if it goes ahead, please COVID. Young Blood is a singer we love that's coming to Australia in December. So hopefully we can go to that. And that's perfect. Yeah. Okay,
0: I like this. I, I'm, I'm fearing the, the the Queensland clubs the the weekend after. Uh, Quarantine ends for you too. Like look out. out.
1: out.
2: I think we've had we've had some talks about going out in our um Olympic blazer. But I'm thinking I thought about it last night and like what if it gets ruined or something? I'm not sure if I want to do that.
0: That's, I mean, I've got, I mean, like, it's not the same, but, like, you can get the sort of the, the makeshift merchandise from, you know, uh, ASICs to kind of do it. So you can kind of get the backup ones that aren't the official ones that you've got and maybe kind of make a makeshift thing and kind of add that way so you're not losing the, the, the gleam of your, you know, the, the proper ones essentially. So there's an idea.
1: That, that sounds awesome. good. Don't forget that some of the Russian gymnasts have gone out to clubs in their leotards, so that's always.
0: Wow, (laughs) that would that I'm telling you now, that would get you free drinks, like right then and there. If I was at a bar and somebody's in a leotard, I'm buying you a drink. I don't care who you are. (laughs) Like that, 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 that is on that is on the list there. Wow. So I always like to ask um, the medalists, like, do they get free stuff with their medals? Like, do they walk in with a medal around their neck? But I think we need to expand that question to just the uniform, because again, yeah, like walk out like. I'm sure you – I know you didn't go to the opening ceremony, but I'm sure you still get given the opening ceremony attire. So, like, wear that. It's very formal. It's very proper. I mean, people would stand up and take notice of you. So, yeah, do it.
1: Yeah, and I got some free tea the other day. Oh, (laughs) And I got contacted for a free teeth whitening kit. So, you know. You Do you know. take
0: that as somewhat maybe offensive? Do you go like, hey, "What are you saying about my teeth?" <laughs>
1: they see me smile at the Olympics, but no, it's like kind of strange. That's what I'm struggling with a little bit at the moment because I, I just feel like I've just been doing gymnastics for 15 years, doing what I love, and it's kind of strange to be. You know, we got so many beautiful messages from people, and it's been really overwhelming. And for someone to contact you and go. Oh, we'd love to send you, you know, a package. Oh, my goodness. What are you talking about? I'm just Emily. I'm just, you know, did, did what I've always wanted. I've never experienced something like that before. So it's been very strange.
0: And then then you get the very strange requests are coming on this show, so I'm sorry about that. So, uh, you know, can't all be gifts, uh, sadly, (laughs) with that one. Now, we like to close off uh, our interviews with a series of uh, fun questions, sort of almost a get-to-know-you style uh, questionnaire. And this is based off a Team Canada questionnaire that they gave their athletes before both Rio and Pyeongchang. I always like to try and find an athlete from the same sport, just to kind of keep it on the same page. And unfortunately, Team Canada has not interviewed any rhythmic gymnasts. So I kind of have to go back to when we interviewed Jaya Wallace. Uh, I got Rosie McLennan's uh, profile up, the only gymnast that they have sort of on there. So we'll go with the trampolinist. It's, I mean, it's gymnastics. It's not the same. I'm not going to say that. But it's it's under the same umbrella. We'll say it that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, there may be homework involved here, which you may or may not uh, wish to do when it comes to drawing. (laughs) So uh, we'll see how... We go with that. Uh, the, the first one is draw a picture of yourself. So again, if you both a couple of days left, want to send it through, um, you're welcome to. <laughs> There's always that keen look on the face of. No, I'm not doing that, Ben.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think you'll be more shocked about my drawing ability than you would than the thought of me drawing.
0: <laughs> now, now, now you have to follow through with that, Emily. Now it's just a case of I, I need to see that. Um, to each you, I'll, I'll I'll kind of separate you each and and let you take it in turns. So we'll start with you, Alana, for this one. To you, who is the greatest Olympian of all time?
2: Wow, that's a good question. Um, and the first person that popped into my mind was Oksana, the 40, is she 46? Yeah. Incredible incredible woman. Like, yeah. I don't know how she's um, been able to do that, but I think it was just pure commitment, determination, you know, and that really shines through. I think she's so cool.
0: Which for both of you, again, Brisbane, perfect goal. I know, Alana, you're not thinking about it, Paris, but, I mean, don't think about Paris, think about Brisbane. It's simple. You know, it kind of works that way. Emily, uh, who to you is the greatest Olympian of all time?
1: For me, Anna Mears is, like, the most amazing athlete of all time. She's so inspiring. I remember reading her book and just I cried multiple times and um, she came and spoke to us at school like 10 years ago, but, oh, she's just incredible. She's so resilient and I think she embodies what an athlete should be.
0: Great answer. I love Anna. So I'm glad we can get uh, her answer for that one. Uh, Now this is the question I'm scared of because you're going to make me feel really old, but um, we'll start with you, Emily, for this one. What was the first Olympics you ever remember watching?
1: The first Olympics I ever remember watching, well, the first one I really enjoyed watching was the London 2012 Olympics and that's because Ron Atkinson was in the yes. ceremony and that was a very special moment. So <laughs> that's the one, that's when I sort of started really watching the Olympics because I'd been involved in gymnastics and that was my goal. So that's the one I, that sticks out to me.
0: Still to me the best opening ceremony I've yes, ever watched. Best, best, best. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, we've, we've had a common trend on this show that the last few opening ceremonies have been pretty crap. So, I mean, London kind of set the bar high. So uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Alana, your first.
2: Mine's the same, London 2012.
0: Yeah, you're making me feel old.
2: Um, <laughs> oh, no. So the, the first Olympics
0: I remember watching was 20 years before that. But anyway, um, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll ignore that. Uh, we'll start with you, Alana, for this one. If you could be any superhero, who would you be?
2: Oh, um,
0: the, the Hulk. The Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm um, just
2: saying the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just speaking my mind.
0: I would love to see the Hulk uh, perform rhythmic gymnastics. That would be an image. Um, would yeah.
2: be very yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: Don't know how the leotard rules would work with the Hulk. Uh, when You'd have to, to have finish. some
2: extreme stretchy lycra.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. There's some weird images going on in my head right oh, now. I'm um, sorry. E- Emily, <laughs> can you top the Hulk? <laughs>
1: stumped me a little bit there, and Lance's question stumped me even more. Wow, wee, Lance, that was a good one. Um, um For some reason, the thing that popped into mind first was The Incredibles, so uh, Elastigirl. Yeah. Like, oh, that's such a good answer.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, that's
1: the first thing that popped into my mind, and for some reason that little baby popped in. I yep. can't remember what the baby did, but the Incredibles, yeah. I think of superheroes, I think of The Incredibles. It's actually,
0: they've never been answered before because- they're superheroes. I mean you get your standards, your your DC and your Marvel characters, but yeah, no. that that works. I like it. Okay. I'm trying to remember what the baby did too. The baby catch fire or something like that? Or maybe I don't know. It's been a while since it's been the Incredibles. Um we'll start with you for this one, Emily. Your favourite ice cream flavour is?
1: Oh wow. See, I'm not really an ice cream girl. I know I'm more of a carb girl, but if I'm to choose an ice cream, oh, wow. Well, Gelatissimo do this magical, um, am I allowed to say brands? Oh, of
0: course my. you can. Well, more the merrier. We want to get sponsored eventually, so go mm-hmm. for it.
1: <laughs> um, They do a really good maple pancake flavour, so Ooh. that's delicious. Yes, nice. that's nice. that
0: Thank- yeah, sponsor us. I, I want maple. I want to
1: sell it to some Mastic's
0: exactly. Go on, get on board with it. Alana.
2: <laughs> um, the connoisseur vanilla ice cream. The most top tier, top tier <laughs> vanilla ice cream you will ever eat.
0: I always get excited when people answer vanilla because it's got such a negative reputation, vanilla, because that's the go to if you're plain and boring, right? But no, vanilla is the best flavour. Uh it is, is amazing. I and mean, when you've got that really vanilla-y, vanilla vanilla flavor like Connoisseur, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, and the little black um, vanilla beans in it, that's yep. that's how you know. That's the legit shit right there. Yep,
0: absolutely. So you <laughs> redeemed yourself from the whole cancer with that one. Good job. Um, <laughs> now, I mean, it's it's an interesting question, this one, because we talked about music. So this might be slightly different. I don't know if you sort of have a pump-up song before you go out there and, and perform or you kind of you want to get into your routine music, but if you were a baseball player, what would your walk-up music be? Alana, we'll start with you for this one.
2: Oh, um, uh, Gimme Gimme by (laughs) Ava.
0: (laughs) Ah, love it. There you go. Wow, that's great. You know, the reason why I love that even more is to me, the greatest song of all time is Hung Up by Madonna, who samples Gimme Gimme in that song. So I like that. Great, great choice there.
1: um, Ben, can I just interrupt you for one moment? Always, (laughs) always. We both listened to Triple J and like a version, I think it was last week they did that song by Madonna and I sent it through to Lance because we're big ABBA girls, but it was a bomb like a version and she goes, oh, yes, we love ABBA. She didn't even know it was a Madonna song. She thought it was them putting a spin on on ABBA.
0: Wow. I'm so...
1: I'm
2: more of an
0: ABBA fan than a Madonna fan. Hey, look, our our co-host on this show, Colin, who couldn't join us today, he he loves you saying those words because he gives me shit all the time for liking Madonna. So, <laughs> I, I own my Madonna love. I've got Die Another Day poster behind me. I'm I'm owning my die, you know, my Madonna shit. So, um, no, no, it's it's. I'll be honest. When I first heard Hung Up, I don't think I knew it was an ABBA song. So, I mean, it was <laughs> it kind of uh, it it works all the ways out. Does that mean that like Mama Me is your favourite movies that you just kind of. You're loving watching it because I've no, I i do not want to watch Pierce and sing, so I'm kind of scared to watch it.
2: I think Mamma Mia
1: is a great movie, not my favorite, but I think it's great.
0: <laughs> Emily, <laughs> uh, your your pump up song.
1: <laughs> I've got a playlist that I actually play before a competition that pumps me up. So I wow. have to do a couple of like Flash Dance. We like a bit of Flash Dance. Yes, a yes. A bit of kung fu fighting in there. Yep. And who can go wrong with a bit of with a bit of Thunderstruck A C D Oh story?
0: yes. Can you perform to that? Can we see that in Paris, that you're doing your routine to Thunderstruck?
1: We have had
2: Thunderstruck as music um, a couple wow. of years back. It was an all-ribbon, five-ribbon routine, and it was epic. And I wish we had that music this year because it's it's like Australians. It would be cool to have that.
0: Yeah, um, the one that we watched on Smooth Criminal. That's better than Smooth Criminal. Come on.
2: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, the gymnast that represented Rio, Danny Prince, she had um, in excess for her ball music, and I thought that was sick.
0: Nice. I like this kind of. Has anyone ever done "You're the Voice" or "Horses" kind of standard pub oh, fare? I, mean, you know, I don't well, know how that would work. The limit. But
1: the Sky's yeah. the limit. I reckon Horses. You know, twenty-four.
0: Who no, knows? hang on, hang on, I, hang on. I'll top all of it right now. And You're welcome to use this. This is you know just credit me. Strawberry Kisses by Nicki Webster.
1: Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> Come on. Keep up the Olympic theme there. Our, our Nikki, you know. That was uh, my you...
1: First ever CD. That was my first ever Hey, CD. well, there you go.
0: It comes full circle. The Olympic dream, followed by performing to Nicki Webster. At Olymp- I mean, it just sells itself. Come on. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, I feel like we need to do karaoke right now. I should have some music already to play. Um, The best nickname that you have ever been called, Emily.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, the thing is I'm not cool enough to be getting being given a nickname. I'm the one that creates them for myself. So when I, <laughs> when I lived in South Australia, I was about 15 or 16. I thought I was fabulous. So I called myself M Fab Ab, Emily Fabulous Ab. <laughs> so a couple of people still call me M Fab Ab, but that's the extent of my coolness. Okay. So M, that? That's my cool nickname, M Fab no.
0: MFABAB, that's that's where we go. I, I like that. You haven't called me B-dubs in this interview. I'm, B-dubs, I'm kind of a, that's
1: your name. Everyone. Yeah, every yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I, I like it. Uh, do, we, do we have a land mat or something like that? I mean, kind of how does that work for you, Alana? No,
2: not, nothing quite as cool as that. Um, a lot of my friends call me Lani or Lance, um, but my mum calls me Lana Banana. I think that's pretty
0: cool. Lana Banana. Yep, yeah. I see it. All right, All right. that works. Um, if you weren't an athlete... What would you be, Alana?
2: Ah, um if I wasn't an athlete, what would I be? Hmm. I don't know the answer to
1: this. <laughs> Emily, can you take over? I think I well, I know what I want to be because I've been. Wow, well, let me restart that. I want to be a developmental psychologist. So I work with um Children with special needs in my spare time, and it's just the most beautiful job ever. Like it's not even a job; it's one of my most special things that I do outside of gymnastics. It's like changed my life. It's so rewarding. So, developmental psychologist for sure.
0: Perfect. I like it. Important work, Alana. Come on, um, you got it. I'd be, a, I'd
2: be a, a uni student. I've got it now. I'd be a uni student. <laughs>
0: You'd be a uni forever, just until you're like sixty. Just stay yeah, at uni. because
2: I'd never be able to. Um, I'd never be able to graduate
0: yeah <laughs> too busy partying, going out in the weekend, you know just, yeah uh, taking taking your teammates out to clubs, all that kind of fun stuff. um your guilty pleasure snack is Emily.
1: oh wow, this is um kind of sad, and my mum even sent them to my room. Is father beans? I'm not father beans. there's these little chickpeas that are lime roasted with pepper. And I just love them. I know that's really sad, but that's my good I was about to call
0: you Hannibal Lecter there. Like you were going to have some Chianti there with your fava beans or something along those lines. But that's, that's I like that. That's, that's sort beans.
1: of beans. Uh, that's very rhythmic gymnastics snack, isn't it? That's a yeah,
0: bit strange Yeah. I think of rhythmic gymnastics. I think of father beans. That's literally all I think about. You know, I don't think about balls or, or clubs or ribbons. It's, it's fava beans. That's, that's the association I've got there. Alana, can you top that? I don't think you can top that.
2: No, I don't think I can. Mine's pretty generic. It's just chocolate. I like chocolate. <laughs>
0: yeah, that works. You know, one, one's fancy, the other's normal. It's all good. Um, yeah. Now, I always get confused with this question because I feel this is a very difficult question. It's all well and good to ask someone who, what their favourite song is, but your favourite song lyric. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe you've got a go-to or this one's a tricky one. we will start, start with you, Alana, for this one. Do you have a favourite song lyric?
1: Wow.
0: Oh. Yeah, it's That's very really... specific. Isn't it?
2: I haven't really thought
1: about this before. Yeah, I don't know, Emily. Have you got one? Oh, I think Queen is like one of the best bands of all time, and but I think "Show Must Go On" is one of the best songs of all time. Oh, so yes. I think it's like just the line "Show Must Go On" because in life, you bet it's a show, and you just need to go on. That's all I can say. That's- oh, look
0: at that, deep and meaningful. Wow. 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 Geez, Elena <laughs> That's so
2: good. I can't yeah. top it because all I'm hearing in my head right now is gimme, 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 young
1: man at <laughs> midnight. I must go right in on the horses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, this is turning karaoke. This is what we need to do with our guests on this show, just kind of keep going along those ways. Um, now, this is probably a very valid question because I can imagine you've probably done a lot of this in quarantine. Uh, the most recent TV show that you binge watched is, let's start with you, Emily, for this one.
1: I am the worst binge watcher in the whole entire world, Ben. The extent I go to binge watching is I watch 10 minutes of, not even 10 minutes, a solid eight minutes of Shits Creek and then I'm done for the day. I'm loving Shits <laughs> Creek at the moment.
0: Right. It's the shit, you might say? It just, is.
1: It's amazing. Yep. I love yep. it.
0: Okay. And, you, and just also correction there, you call me Ben, it's B-dubs. Just to,
1: B-dubs.
0: Yeah. No, I want that to stick. Alana, <laughs> uh, what was the last show you uh, binge watched?
2: Um, the last one I binge watched was season two of Outer Banks.
0: Ah, okay. Right. Recommended for people who haven't watched it?
2: Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's a very good TV show. I wasn't sure about it at at the start, but once you get into it, you're hooked.
0: Perfect. I like it. Um, (laughs) growing up, who's your favorite sports team? Uh, let's go with Alana for this one.
2: Favorite sports team growing up? Um... (laughs) these questions are hard why can't I think of these things um oh okay AFL let's think AFL because I used to live in Adelaide um, and AFL is pretty big there. And I was a big Crow supporter. So I'll go with wow. that. Adelaide
0: I crows, yeah. I won't judge. I won't judge. Okay. Thank right. you. Uh, thank you. Emily.
1: <laughs> well, following up from Alana, I am from Adelaide. I am a big um, AFL girl and Crows all the way. Calm the Crows. I was
0: about to say Calm we're going to have a showdown crows. here if all of a sudden you went to the power. But um, wow. Okay. I, I'm, a, I'm a Carlton supporter and Adelaide's not the worst team you can go for. So let's <laughs> just, can I say that? Okay. Um, <laughs> I remember, look, this is going to, again, age me. It was before both of you were born, I believe. Um, Maybe, actually, no, Emily, you might have been around for this uh, when Adelaide won the back-to-back premierships. I remember vividly as a 10- and 11-year-old actually cheering for Adelaide on those days. So I was an Adelaide credit (laughs) supporter for a day, twice in my life. you stole
1: Eddie Cameron, you stole Eddie Betts from us.
0: Hey, hey, you stole him from us first. Thank Uh. you. Come on. (laughs) You took him from us first and then we got him back. All right, let's, let's, you stole, you stole Bryce Gibbs from us. So um, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't as good as Eddie. It. Yeah. Oh, Eddie, what a man. Um, Your favorite place <laughs> in the world to compete. Let's start with you, Emily.
1: For me, well, obviously the Olympics was absolutely incredible, right? Oh, amazing. In terms of being able to go out and see the, world sort of thing it was Pesaro in Italy it's this seaside town and it was just absolutely beautiful was it the Adriatic coast of Italy I'm not quite sure but the food was so fresh and oh it's just so beautiful cobblestone streets colored buildings amazing
0: beautiful Alana
2: um yeah so when we went to Tokyo this year we didn't get the opportunity to go out and sightsee and everything like that um but for me we've been to Lots of places all over the world. Um, Pezzaro was definitely a highlight and also um, Bulgaria. We've been there a few times and, um, yeah, I think that's a beautiful country as well. Really Where's rich history. In?
0: Well, I can imagine that's a great thing about rhythmic gymnastics, going back to what we're talking about, the countries that compete and sort of the diversity there. Like, I mean, you get to go. Like, who's ever going to be able to say, I went to Bulgaria? Like, it's kind of one of these countries exactly. that I can imagine you would you would probably never put on, on the bucket list. Have uh, either of you competed in Tasmania? What's the rhythmic gymnastics scene like down here? Is it, is it big? Do I have a chance?
1: <laughs> starting up, B-dubs. It's starting yes. up.
0: Okay. All <laughs> right. Get I'm going to work on my leotards and, and all that sort of stuff and my <laughs> sequencing. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to perform. To, if you don't perform to Strawberry Kisses, I'm stealing that. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that. Uh, the final question, and it's a deep one. I'm looking forward to your answers. We'll start with you, Alana, for this one. Your biggest fear in life is? <sighs>
2: um, my biggest fear in life. This is more probably like a current current answer. I'm sure it will change. but um, that being an Olympian is, like, the the only great thing that I'll ever do. Wow.
0: Deep. Wow. I don't even Thanks. know how to respond to that. I, I like it. <laughs> That's I, all right. I,
2: you can just take it in.
0: No, all right. I will just soaking the atmosphere here with that one. So, like, Emily, the pressure's on you now. Last, last answer of the interview, really. I mean, God, how do you top that?
1: That hit me because for me before the Olympics, oh, my goodness, someone keeps calling me and I did put it on... I bet it's my sister.
0: You're po- you're popular. It's it's everybody wanting it you to come silent. clubbing.
1: I put it on silent, and it's all the way over there. She's. We just need a moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hello to your sister, if you're if you're listening. She's wondering why you were screening her calls that day. You did that random interview. There there's a reason. <laughs> the
1: second call I've had in the interview. Shout out to you, sis. She's third in the world for bagpipes yesterday for a jig. She's a wow. Star.
0: Third yeah. in the world for bagpipes. That's great.
1: Star. So, no, before, now that that's over, go Eden. Um, <laughs> no, um, for me, before the Olympics, my biggest fear was never not achieving my dream of making the Olympics. That was my biggest fear in life. But for me now, after the Olympics, of course, I want to go to the next Olympics, but my biggest fear is not being happy. I think the most important thing in life is to live a happy and fulfilling life. Wow. Um, yeah.
0: This is, this is getting very deep. This is, um wow, started off one way. Straight here we into are.
2: the feels, B-dub. Straight Jeez. into the feels.
0: I don't know how I'm going to react now once I hit stop on this. I've got to reflect on my life all of a sudden. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, before, before we let you both go, I, I mentioned sort of um, – your social medias before and everything, but, but plug yourselves and plug anything you want to plug those sponsors, Emily, get us some sponsors here on the podium, but uh, yeah, each of you, where, where can people sort of um, check you out, follow what you're up to and kind of uh, see the the journey along the way, We'd, which is next for, for both you guys.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for listening to us. My Instagram is Lani Matthews, L-A-N-I-M-A-T-H-E-W-S. Only one T in the Matthews. I've had to say that many times throughout my life. My TikTok is the same and my Facebook is just Alana
1: Matthews.
0: Perfect. Emily, uh, over to you now. The floor is yours
1: floor is mine. well my instagram is emily e abbott a double b o t i'm the same with lines. i don't have two t's at the end of my name i know that's a big shot for a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> i majorly just use instagram and i've been you know showing what quarantine life is like and you can see sort of the insides of the olympic village and all that fun stuff so now i've been posting a little bit on there
0: beautiful beautiful everyone check them out it's been an absolute pleasure to to chat with both of you learn a lot more about rhythmic gymnastics i hope jared is listening to this so that come paris uh all, all the ball and the ribbon and the the club jokes can just stop it's it's done we're, we're, we've moved on from the rhythmic gymnastics talk on that side of things but honestly a great chat to, to both of you uh mfabab thank you very much it's a pleasure to chat to you
1: no thanks, B Dubs. It's been so much fun. Thank you. <laughs>
0: and, and Lana Banana, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna use that now for life. Maybe I'll put that in the uh, the promo for this episode. But uh, appreciate your time on the show as well.
1: Thank
2: you so much, Ben. This was awesome.
0: And a massive thanks there to both Emily and Lana, or should I say Mfab Ab and Lana Banana. I think that's kind of how we always need to refer to them as moving forward. A lot of fun there. And really enjoy speaking to athletes from sports that we haven't actually had on the show. Obviously, our long-term goal on this program is to get an athlete from at least every single Olympic sport and uh, to get rhythmic gymnasts on the show. We are very much pleased for that. We've now spoken to trampoline gymnasts, uh, rhythmic gymnasts. We've got artistic gymnasts still to come. And I can tell you now, without spoiling who it is, we do have a guest lined up. So stay tuned for that and you will get to learn a little bit more about the other discipline of gymnastics along the way. And speaking of staying tuned, stay tuned because we have got so many great interviews coming your way that uh, we don't even know how to keep up right now. Obviously, we've got so many from Tokyo. We've got ones in the lead up to Beijing. We've got winters, we've got summers. And outside of that, we've also got people behind the scenes of the Olympics, not just Olympians, but we've also got people who cover the Olympics and learning a little bit more about what they do with that one. And one of those people, Robert Livingston, the man behind the website gamesbids.com. Now, this is a website that has been around for quite some time and specializes in bringing news about the bidding process of the Olympic Games. Now, this is a website I've personally followed for a very long time. It's very, very fascinating, uh, and it's got a great bunch of information there in regards to cities that are bidding for the Olympics, also things about sports that are on the agenda for potential Olympic Games in the future, and just general Olympic news as well. And Robert Livingston has been covering Olympic bids now for more than 20 years, and uh, definitely a fascinating chat to bring to you to learn a little bit more about his career, but also a little bit more about the Olympic bid process and how we are looking right now in terms of the Olympic bids and cities wanting the Olympics. Obviously, we saw Brisbane getting the Olympics in a history-making announcement earlier this year when it came to 11 years out from Olympics. So how is the bid process changing for Olympic Games and what does Robert think about everything along those lines too? So that is our next interview. Stay tuned for that one. In the meantime, stay tuned to our social media if you want to stay up to date with all of what we've got going on of course sometimes you'll see that we'll advertise an interview or maybe we'll have an episode in between that and another interview obviously we're kind of on a bit of a floating schedule right now the more interviews we get and other ideas we have for episodes so stay tuned to our social media to see what we do have coming your way subscribe to our podcast and all the good podcast channels spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon podcast iHeartRadio, all those places and more simply search off the podium Hit that subscribe button, and while you're there, leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. It helps us get out there a little bit more, and it helps us know what you think. And if you've got any guest ideas or any other episode ideas that you might have for us, you can also hit us up on social media. Simply search for Off the Podium, and you will be able to find us there and stay up to date with everything to do with the show. A uh, big thanks once again to Mfab Ab and Lana Banana. This has been Off the Podium. My name is Ben, and we'll speak to you next time. A good night.